He put the uh, insurance documents in the suitcase, which went with our stuff by sea, the other side, and it was in the container. And we're like, we, we get to the end of the Schengen border, and they're like, oh, okay, where's your paperwork? And we're like, ah. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is an amazing lady who has a business with an amazing name and um, she does a lot of things and she's done a lot of things in her life. But I want to introduce her as a master herbalist, naturopath, nutrition consultant. And the, the other thing that I read, and I actually only read today, I didn't know that you were that, you're a holistic and behavior iridiologist. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Caroline Evans. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Fabulous. Lovely to be here with you. Always lovely to speak to you. And it's lovely to have you here. I miss you because we know each other from Cyprus. You used to live in Cyprus, but you're not here anymore. But thank God to these technical devices that we can use and that we can have a little chat through. We're sat together right now. It's beautiful. I know it's amazing. Although I would much prefer to have that over and lovely frappe or something. Overlooking some beautiful marina. We'll do it soon, somewhere, sometime. Tell me, how did it all start? I only found out recently, even though I've known you for quite a while, that you grew up in Oman. And when were you on a plane for the first time? And how did this happen? How how come you grew up in Oman? Okay. Um, Well, I mean, yes, to answer both those questions. The first time I was ever on a plane, I think I was three and we went to Sicily for my first ever holiday. And I remember a massive, great big beach ball and all these topless women playing beach ball. It was hilarious. I remember my older brother, who was about six at the time, just being gobsmacked. He just, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on. So that's that memory. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I lived in Oman. My dad was in the oil industry and we went when I was about three and a half. And it was quite funny, actually, because we were meant to go and live in the Bahamas because he, 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 uh, accept a job there. And he's really quite a specialist in his field. He was cleaning up oil refineries. So, you know, it kind of, I always say he was doing a good job in a bad industry, if you like, for what it does to the environment. Anyway, um, yeah, we were going to go to Bahamas and apparently an old gypsy turned up at our doorstep. And I do remember her because my mum kept the plastic rose that she gave her. And she said, you're going to go somewhere hot, but really sandy, much hotter than you ever thought. So uh, lo and behold, my dad came back that day and, and, the, and she didn't know, I mean, it wasn't obvious we were going anywhere. All the suitcases were in another room ready to go that week to Bahamas. And my dad came back, no, we're not going to Bahamas. We're going to Oman. And uh, yeah, we went out there. And I remember arriving in my ET t-shirt with my brother and our little red shorts, just crashing out on the floor going, I can't handle this heat. It was so hot. And then, of course, learning about the virtues of air conditioning. And uh, yeah, I was there from, the, and of course, that scorpions can come through the air conditioning too, because there's a lot of that as well. And cockroach nests in the bed and all this wonderful stuff that I didn't know that I needed to know about. Um, but yeah, I was there from about the age of three and a half till, um, yeah, till 12, till 12. So I had some quite informative years there. And yeah, it was, it was a magical upbringing. Uh, yeah, I feel really, really blessed to have had that because, I mean, yes, part of the oil refinery went to the clubs and stuff, the PDO club and did all these swimming galas and all this. But we also got to see the really the real life of Oman, the Bedouins and going out wadi bashing. We do that every week where you get in a Jeep and you just go off on these old dirt roads and, you know, go exploring caves like that had 
fish that had no eyes that were stuck on the walls. I mean, it's just like because it's just such a dark cave and the water's so cold and that was just a luxury in Oman. So, and being bitten by a poisonous snake and all just amazing memories, like, you know, and, and like I said, some things I didn't want to know, but really, yeah, very much, uh, I think it really helped to shape me to be more of an outward seeing person, to see a bigger picture. I mean, travel and yeah, it was amazing upbringing. I'm very blessed to have had that. Oh, I love God. Oman. Oman's a jewel of the Middle East. Oh, beautiful. I have never been to Oman and I've been oh, meaning to go and wanting to go. And, um, you know, did you go to school? Did you go to an international school? I did. I went to a place called Muscat English Speaking School. Yeah, it was an international school. And uh, yeah, that was it was great education. I was learning who would know that I marry, I would marry a Frenchman, but I was learning French at seven. And that was really great. The, the facilities there were amazing. I remember my mum worked for the school. I remember when we'd uh, get... Uh, at the end of the day, I'd be the last kid there, me and my brother. And I'd always find my way to the art room that was so full of all these beautiful coloured papers and this creativity. But yeah, it's a really great education there and a lot of outdoors. I mean, you start at school 7.30, like Cyprus, finish 1.30 and then you hit the beach. You know, that was what you did. You hit the beach or you stay inside in air conditioning, whichever. But generally you'd, you'd hit the beach and you just go swimming or, or you go to the swimming pool club. And it was just, yeah, really, really magical and I had far too much Angostura's bitters and lemonade, actually, as a child. <laughs> I only found out that I was alcoholic in my older years. I didn't do you any harm. You're fine. <laughs> Are you in touch with anybody from that school? Actually, yes, I am. I've got a very good friend, um, and they, they live in Wales. Um, their parents live in Wales. My, my parents, it's kind of like that kind of thing when you're young, you know, you, you hang out with your the families stick together so yes there, there are a couple of them that were there are a few of us that still know each other but we see each other they now live in the Cayman Islands which is beautiful and their parents are in Wales so we're still in touch with them and every year they come back to Wales and we hang out together they've got kids now so our kids hang out together and yeah amazing like I, I've known them now what 35 plus years yeah wow. years. so after Oman you went back to the UK I did, yes. We went to, after Oman, I'm originally Welsh, born in Pembrokeshire, and then we went to Oman. And then after Oman, we left because the school ran out. So my brother was sent to boarding school for a short time. And uh, I refused to get taught by nuns. Bless, bless anybody <laughs> listening to this. So they were like, okay, 12, time to come back. And we moved to Greater London. So we were there. And that was a bit of a, a shock because we went from like, you know, this nice spaciousness that was Oman to this tiny little flat in Greater London because the cost of prices, like my parents were very, we were very nurtured and looked after in place like, oh man, when you're an expat or an expat brat, as they call us, then you really are, you know, things are taking care of you, the car, the house, you know, they are, it's all part of the job. And you come back to somewhere like London, it's a real shock to the system. But then I, then I went to a, a local comprehensive. It was an interesting experience. I wouldn't say it was a pleasant one at all because I had been, you know, just basically naked for like nine years in Oman, practically naked, you know, for all those years and I was so brown I mean I do go brown in the sun but I was really super brown and uh, when I went to this all-white school um, outside of Richmond they would call me a packy for years You're not so for years <laughs> I was so brown and they were yeah they were quite racist so for about there was there was only white kids there at the time and Caucasians and um, yeah for about I think it wasn't it was about six months I, I had uh, racist abuse there and then my tan faded I'm like hey what are you talking about <laughs> Exactly. But it, but it was it was interesting to actually I, I'm quite a grateful for that experience because I kind of understand prejudice on that level. I'm very grateful for that because uh, 
I think living overseas as well, and I do have this traveling bone in my body, definitely. I, I kind of, to me, people are people. It doesn't matter where you're from. And some of the most interesting people do not come from where I'm from, you know, or they do. It, it doesn't matter where they're from. It's it's what's in your in your heart and who you are, and which is the same thing. So, um, yeah, it was very interesting to have that experience because it's made me understand more what people go through in prejudices. Isn't it crazy, though? Because I say exactly the same what you just said, because we've been living in different places and traveling all over the place for me everybody is the same we're all the same we all have the same needs and we all have the same fears and whatever but um you forget when you are a person like we are you forget how how small-minded people can think and how horrible they can be 100 it's amazing yeah it's amazing and very unnecessary Racism. We all go to the toilet the same way. <laughs> I mean, very true. Yeah. And, and you know, no child is a racist. It's taught. It comes from. It comes from somebody exactly. who programs you, who conditions exactly. you. So um, there's a lot of work to be done there. So yeah. after that, how did you? Because I don't know how how far we're going to jump. Because you you how old were you when you came to Cyprus? Oh, Cyprus. I then um, I studied. I did degrees in London, and then I I came to Cyprus. I was twenty six. Okay. Just turned 26. So I had those, those time, that time in London, all over different parts of London, university, etc. And uh, yeah, and then so I was 26. I came to London. And if you like, I had, uh, as a 17 year old, traveled around Greece. And I love Greece. I love the Greek islands. I love the Elare Katikato. I like this I like I like the whole. I mean, even as I talk, I'm starting to gesticulate with my hands because I just love that heartwarming expressiveness of the Mediterranean. I really love it. So I really fitted in nicely in Greece, and so it was always on the radar. I would love to. I would love to. What if? And I had a, a good friend of mine, a guy called Jono. He was an Oriental medical doctor from Australia, and uh, he lived in Cyprus. And he used to. And I met him through a friend. We became good mates, and uh, he always used to come and, and crash at my house in London in my flat and he'd dump all his stuff there so hey come on John I'd like you know my loft is not just for you and one day I decided that you know I was going to get him back or he'd just turn up at my house so I called him up and I said what are you doing on Wednesday and he goes oh uh, not a lot I'm in Cyprus I'm just chilling I said great could you come pick me up from Paphos airport so that was it so I went out for to Cyprus for I think it was a week's holiday yeah a week's holiday and in that time, Jono was, you know, he was kind of stood out from the crowd, this guy, bless him. And uh, he he knew a lot, of, a lot of interesting people. And he took me to visit this botanist there who then took me to the herb garden and said, would you like to run this place? I'm like, well, well, yeah, what is it to run? As far as I can see, it's like there's some herbs here. You know, there's like oregano I could recognize. You know, there's nice big bay trees. But, you know, the rest is like dust. And it's like, what, what is going on? And he goes, well, yeah, this was set up as an um, indigenous plants of cypress uh garden at the old schoolhouse he goes but as is the way oftentimes in places like cypress is it just was not managed and therefore it just died so he said it needs resurrecting do you want to do it so i said okay so i went home and at the time i was a nutrition consultant in london so i I quickly i'm working for myself so it was no bother and i said to my parents right i'm just going to go over to cypress maybe i'll be a couple of months maybe a couple of years and i really thought it'd be a couple of years and uh and then off i toddled and then i I, I kind of like, as you do, met a man who kept me there a bit longer. And then, you know, the, then, yes, set up the no, business. No, no, we're not going that fast. We're, we're <laughs> yeah, sorry. 
you're not getting away with that so quickly. So which 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 garden was that? Was that Pano Acutalia? Pano Acutalia, yeah, Pano Acutalia. It was, yeah, it was set up by the Leona Project in the 1990s, early 1990s. And uh, yeah, and it was like good European money, but then just, yeah, it just was not looked after. There was, you know, they, they left the, the village to manage themselves. And they had an old mukta back then called Mavru Mustakos. And the only thing he could manage was the 10 Cyprus pounds in his pocket that he'd get from the truckers dumping their the the scatha from the building site over yeah. the ravine. I mean, his, his wallet was full of 10, Euro, 10 pound notes, 10 Cyprus pound notes. Amazing. So, oh, yeah, he was, so you, uh, you came from Oman to London and then you ended up in this village. And for the people who are listening to us and who are not for, from Cyprus, it's a very small village. 28 people. And 28 most people. of the time, about eight or nine. In and the winter, it's eight people. Suddenly they were 29, including Caroline Evans. Well, her cats, <laughs> exactly. Bana Yamo, as they say. And, and there's a whole, a whole uh, joke about Bano and Gato Acordalia saying that well, it's like the United States of America. It's like, are you in Bano or are you in Gato? Well, that's the funny part about many of those villages because Bano means upper and, and Gato means lower of this village. And then yeah. it's just about five, six houses. <laughs> exactly. It's just one big village. Same, same. So you started planting or, or uh, reviving on, and how, how did it go? Okay. Well, I was, uh, when I, when I uh, properly um, went in there, I was um, literally starting work there at like five o'clock in the morning. I did lots of kind of like architectural drawings on how I wanted it to look because there was a whole massive bit at the back. Nothing happened there. It was like dead. I was like, wow, okay. So the first thing we did is we, I had a friend there who I'd met a guy called Sotiri who's over the Rainbow Bridge now, but he was a lavender distiller. And his, uh, he used to have Aphrodite oils, beautiful soul. And his wife, Poppy, they don't have the business anymore, I don't think. I'd be Well, because they don't distill anymore, but she might have some more product left. But yeah, really a great guy. He taught me to distill and he he said, Gori, would you like to have my still up at the herb garden? Because, you know, you've got this place, people can come. So first thing we did, we put a little uh, concrete uh, uh, patch down and we put the still there. We made a whole space for the still. And then I, I propagated that whole area that it then became beautiful rows of mountain tea, uh, lavender. What else? I had rose hip, uh, mercini myrtle, oregano. I had wormwood, um, uh, thyme, lots of... Th- Thrombi, which is the wild thyme and, and uh, cultivated thyme, um, southern wood, uh, wormwood, yeah, lot, lots and uh, verbena, lemon verbena, yeah, lots of herbs. So I did that as well as resurrecting the actual garden that was, you know, just a few plots and then I had to fill it in. It was almost easier to start with the empty patch and mm. I start with a blank slate than it was to try to sort out this kind of like, there's a few trees and the rest is dead. It's like, whoa, what do we do there? And dealing with irrigation in the, and well, dealing with the village Muktaris was, uh, I think I saw out three Muktaris at that place from the time I was there. I was like, wow. And I was still there. I was like, wow, no wonder they called me heaven on earth, her the balls, because I really did learn to survive. I mean, anyone who knows a village in Cyprus, the politics is unbelievable. The corruption too. Sorry, I know this is big in Cyprus right now, but 
it's 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 it was very true it's like yeah. you know you become mukta because you want that street or yeah. whatever you know what i mean unfortunately but that is still uh, that was definitely the case with aquadalia when i was there um, but the canto aquadalia he was very nice muktari as well but yeah they were they were all lovely in their own way nice in their own ways but yeah they, they had an agenda and um yes it was uh they didn't make my life easy let's say that at all you know i'm a cobella you know a, you know a young cobella what do i know a young girl from yeah. a, a xenos from a strange you know from somewhere else what the hell does she know inglesica and understandable you know i i know that i'm i'm from wales from a small village in wales so i get that mentality that you know it's like hey who do they think they are coming in and doing this but you know i did great work in aquadalia for, for, yes, you, did. for you, did. So, you also yeah. integrated very well in the in, the, in, in cyprus and you participated yes. in all those uh events and you went yes, to mind body and spirit but i was just thinking when you were saying that it's easier to plant an empty plot than to fix for me it's like it's easier to do a translation than to fix a translation that somebody else okay. has made it, it takes so a lot more it's yes. the, you know because uh exactly. you can start from scratch so then you met a man i did meet a man i did meet a man yes absolutely i met a frenchman And we met on the stage, as you do in Cyprus. I was talking about herbal medicine and detoxification, and he was talking about osteopathy. And I remember making a joke. He goes, anybody know who an osteopath is? And, I, and, and nobody said anything. And I put my hand up and I said, yes, you're a bunch of manipulators, aren't you? <laughs> like, that was the beginning of our relationship. <laughs> God bless him. He's, we were good friends for a while because I really, after being um, you know single in Cyprus for a while, I was really, really not ready to... Uh, meet uh, Kamaki, uh, you know, meet anybody. I was like, nope, I really don't, not interested. I just want to focus on what I'm doing. But yeah, he's a uh, blessing. He, he was. Uh... You started managing um, the herb garden, which is actually called Heaven on Earth Herb Garden. You did that together. Yeah. Did you do that? To, I don't remember. Was, no. was he involved? No, 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 no. Um, no, no, no. Uh, Clem was not involved. The time when Clem came, became involved was a bit later. Um, where, yeah, after we met, he came involved. But initially it was me and I set up, uh, well, the garden. And then as part, in order to have the garden, not only did I have to, um, and the schoolhouse, I had to pay the rent, of course, and all the bills, et cetera. But I also had to um, open a coffee shop on site as is the way in, in small villages, you need a coffee shop. So mm. I had a little herb uh, herb tea coffee shop on there. So I had to manage that as well. And I set up into the big room. I set up a, a shop where I'd see patients as well as drying racks and people could come and see how you dry things, etc. cetera. Um, and then later on, I'd always had this dream of, I could see, and it was almost, it's a bit bizarre, but when I first arrived on the, at the herb garden, um, with Jono took me there, my friend years ago. And I remember holding the, the thousand year old olive tree. And I just kind of like had this like brief vi vision of lots of kind of stalls around and lots of people walking around and looking at that, looking at that. And I was like, whoa, this then developed into, oh my God, that vision is like a farmer's market. And I'd love to do that here because I felt that there was a kind of lack of authentic farmer's market. It was one in Paphos town center and that was great. But other than that, there was like, you know, an organic as well. And that's what I promote of my, you know, the, whole natural you know yes it's right not to spray your crops and yes it does make a difference if it's organic so it was uh, you know and to teach 
breach that ethos. So that's where Clem came in. And he really, I, I called him my Mr. Moment Man, because I'm a great planner and I can make it happen and bring the people in, etc. But on the day, he was the man organizing all the stallholders and just making sure. And I would just literally be able to go in and be the boss on that day and just relax and talk to people. And that was great. So that's where we worked really closely together as he came in and he managed to hurt the farmers markets, which was fabulous. It was worked really well. And actually, it's funny, when we first met, he wanted me to move down to Yiru Skipo because he had a house down there. And I was like, what, you want me to leave and then commute every day to the herb garden? And I lived 200 meters from the herb garden. Anyway, he saw sense and moved up. And uh, yeah, he was so glad that he did because then he opened a clinic next to the house. And then he could walk five seconds to, to work, which suited him nicely. <laughs> so, yeah. I remember, I have this memory of a Christmas market that we came to with yeah. Catherine. And it, Christmas is, you know, the, the Cypriot sky in the winter is so blue. And mm. up there where you were and, you know, all these people wearing those red hats. I have these very, very fond memories. It's a fantastic nice. day. Yes, I can actually literally see it in front of me. Oh, and um, yeah. you did that so well. But then um, you had all these babies. I did have all these babies. Yes, a couple of years after we got married. And and Clem and I got married in the village as well because uh, it was important to us to do that. And there was an old um, church there called Simeon just uh, between Panarco Dalia and Milieu. And uh, they, it was, it had been, well, it'd been resurrected after 600 years and it was, no one had ever had a marriage there. So we were very pleased to have a, a wedding in there. And I, my, my mum reminded me recently, she goes, you know that your name is up in that church. I say, really? I was the only English name inscribed in the church. It's like the Ten Commandments, my dad always used to say. But I'm there because we all contributed to paying for that church to be made, uh, to be rebuilt. So it's lovely. It's a tiny little church. And we got married there. We had the party at the Herb Garden, which, of course, was a great place to have it. And then, yeah, two years later, um, a little fledgling Dylan arrived, my now seven-year-old, gosh. And, uh, yeah, he arrived. And then uh, a couple of years later... um, uh, Amelie arrived and yeah having kids changes the goalposts you can't do what you used to do. I mean having a two-year-old in my herb shop I mean it's fine when he's out in the garden he was picking the Dylan was out picking the the rose hips and people will be coming into the herb shop and saying oh you know that there's a little kid you know he's just got shorts on no no top on and he's just in the middle of the spiky bushes with with a mouth full of red is he allowed to be eating those said so, yeah yeah he knows what they are and at, at such a young age he'd say to people you know this rose rose he'd call it lasmari and this is uh lavender and he'd say lasmari lavender and most people not most people but a lot of people came to the herb garden didn't know the difference between rosemary and lavender Uh, nowadays they don't so yeah bless him he was really in touch but get a two-year-old in the herb shop with all those bottles and creams and balms I mean oh my god it was like "Ah, get him out of here it just yeah it just I realized that the business took off so much and it was it was my absolute love but I was gonna miss out on the kids if I didn't make a choice and Mm -hmm. and it was that case and there's nothing like needing your mother when um you have kids my dad had just died and we're like okay you know what now is the time that we we go to the UK and we'll see where we land from there but it's there was the next gap next stop gap did you have your third baby before you left no 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 I had two babies when we left so that was the second baby that was six months old tell me about how you traveled to the UK from Uh, Cyprus that is fascinating that's definitely a most memorable journey 
Hundred percent. Yeah, that was we we drove in our Diplo Cambino, which was a twin cab. Yes, twenty four year old twin cab, uh, magic, and we drove it across Europe. So yeah, and we and we just went out uh, the back of Cyprus back door, went out the back door, and we just crossed Cyprus because oh, it was because I mean Cyprus they don't have the ferry. I think they're changing it now, aren't they? They're bringing the ferry back. About a month ago, the first. Oh wow! Yes. Yes. Perfect, because they didn't used to have that when I was there, and you couldn't drive out, say, of Limassol or anything. So we went to, we had friends in the north. We went through the north, and we went through, we went through Turkey, and then from Turkey we went, which we went to Bulgaria. And we had uh, Bulgaria is so beautiful. Oh my god, we went from the mountains, staying with the eagles up in the mountains, down to the coast. I mean, it was just so beautiful the way we went through. Um, we went, we ended up through uh, Czech Republic. I always wanted to go to Prague. That was absolutely stunning um oh yeah hungary czech republic then i think we went germany france a little bit of belgium and uh and crossed to uk uh, england and then wales was where we landed but what an experience i mean in in like takes a long time to cross turkey i never realized how big that place is very it's, very big country it's huge and so diverse i mean we stayed in caves the first few nights and it was magic i mean i remember my son he was like he still remembers it now how he was woke up with he woke up at uh, five o'clock in the morning with Akbar. for me after living in the middle east as a child for it's quite therapeutic that noise but for him he's like oh my god you know there's a there's a dragon or something he was really freaked out and he still says now he goes god that noise really frightened me mum and like because we we're in the caves and the noise in the caves was, was quite amazing it's so cool there you know it's beautiful absolutely that's wonderful I mean that takes a lot of courage to yeah, drive a double cabin all double cabin did it never break down Amazingly, it didn't. Yeah. And, and and my husband, stupidly, he put the uh, insurance documents in the suitcase, which went with our stuff by sea, the other side. And it was in the container. And we're like, we, we get to the end of the Schengen border. And they're like, oh, OK, where's your paperwork? And we're like, ah. So he had to call up uh, his insurance people in Cyprus and thank God for Cyprus. She, what a sweetheart this lady was. She goes, it was like six o'clock at night. She goes, hey, don't worry. I'll go tonight. I'll go to get your file. I'll copy it. I'll, I'll email it to you. I mean, I've got to love Cyprus for that. They were spot on. So yeah, they did that. I must say the worst part of that journey was the boat crossing from the north of Cyprus to Turkey. We didn't think we'd come out of that alive because it was so hot and so skanky in there. It was like, oh my God. It was like, oh, I was like, I can't believe I've got kids in here. We're all going to die crossing the river, there, uh, crossing the sea. How there. long is it? How long is that? Oh God. It was overnight. Yeah, it was overnight. I don't know why it was overnight, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I can't remember how many hours it was. I'd have to, I'd have to ask Clem if you would remember, but yeah. It can't be that it can't be that long, but yeah, we slept. Fascinating, fascinating. And yes, I mean, those countries that we don't really know so well, like you say, Bulgaria, because I I, I, yeah. I, was a tour guide for 11 years, but I only found out about all these places when I was working for the police, because that's when I started going to the Balkans and to Romania, Bulgaria. Beautiful, so much. Oh, so stunning. They are so beautiful, so green, but they have like the heat, not on par with Cyprus, just a little bit less, but so green. Yeah. They are stunning. And Hungary as well is gorgeous. Oh yes, yes, and less humidity, of course. That's that's usually what does it here. Because like now, we've had quite good weather until a couple of days ago, and then when the humidity comes in, it's then the it gets unpleasant. But anyway, yes. it's summer exactly. and we have to live with it. Yeah. So you are back in the UK, and because I want to talk a little bit about what you do, I want to talk about a little okay. bit about the power of herbs, and I want to talk about the books that you are writing because. 
You never stop. You had another baby. I did have another baby. Yes, uh, we're now in Somerset. We were in Wales for about 18 months. It was a good landing. You know, my my family have a home there, so it was a great landing pad. But, you know, Wales, like, uh, you know, for for like Panarkadalia, has a certain way of looking at things. But we also knew it was a short gap for us. So we we go there every month to to kind of rejuvenate ourselves in in the, the forest there. But equally, yeah, we were looking for something else. And so now we're in the southwest of England. And that's where we made our... Our baby, our little bonus baby, as we say, you know, we had one of each, a boy and a girl, and then suddenly we have a bonus baby, which was apparently made in Wales, the last week of Wales, because my beloved husband did not trust the Welsh doctors to uh, give him the snip. <laughs> I'm like, darling, it was that we were being so careful, but yeah, she was, she was definitely a, a gift and definitely um, heaven sent because I remember at the time thinking, oh, I can't have a third baby. I really can't. I'm just feeling like I'm getting my body back. And uh, this little voice came through saying, give me a chance. I'll be easy. And it's like, wow. And she is, she's an absolute Trojan. And for five planets in Capricorn, she's, yeah, and we've just had a super moon in Capricorn, but yeah, she's really easy. And she's just a really, uh, what a uh, blessing she is. That's so sweet. You help people with all sorts of health problems. You do consultations with people. What can herbs do? How much can herbs do? Yeah, well, herbs are, are an original medicine. I mean, we're on we're, we're, where we're meant to be on this planet, really. We didn't fall from grace. This is grace. It's everywhere you look. But yeah, we because, you know, if you break us down into cellular components, you know, there's a little bit of us in the seas, a little bit of us in the stardust, a little bit of us in, you know, each of the plants, calcium, magnesium, it's phosphorus. It's all there. We've all got the same makeup in us. We're just a bit more of a complicated makeup. And uh, it's only the brain that says we're more complicated anyway. But uh, But yes, what can herbs do? Well, they can. You can have remarkable recoveries with herbs, and they can also maintain and sustain health to keep you healthy. I mean, one thing I love about being a herbalist and a medicine woman of such is that we can call a herb anything that heals. So, food is a great healer. One of the greatest things is garlic, for example. I mean, it's antifungal, it's antiviral, it's antibacterial. It's going to help to keep your gut bacteria in balance. You know, it's going to treat athletes' foot. It's going to keep your immune system in check. So, you know, you can fight off loads. Allergies, which we really need to be more aware of these days, and you know, it's it's herbs can do so much. You know, lemon water, for example, is very alkalizing. It's going to help your stop disease having a hold in your body. You know, so yeah, loads of things like rosemary helps your body to digest fats. So if you eat it, it's great for your memory. It's great for uplifting. Everything does something, and there's a lot of uh, um, in, in nature. There's what they call the doctrine of signatures, where nature's actually telling us what it's good for. So, for example, I don't know if you've ever seen but a cacao cacao bean a raw one looks like a set of teeth it's amazing it's so full of magnesium magnesium is essential for the teeth it's showing us there what that's for you know i saw that picture again recently i was like wow yeah that's so spot on you know and uh, maybe cleavers looks like the lymphatic system so yeah you can prevent disease by following by introducing herbs into your diet it is it is the original medicine i mean modern medicine is only one branch of medicine you know that's it you know so that's important to know. Do you feel that people are um, not taking enough responsibility for their health? Do you feel that people rely on that pill, that pill that uh, there is a pill for everything? We've been conditioned that way. We've been conditioned that way. And maybe I can't be hypnotized, but we definitely have been conditioned that way to, you know, I mean, life's speeding up. We want an easy life. It's easy to pop a pill. It's not easy to have four cups of tea sometimes. You know what I mean? It's You can get that, but then... The whole of modern life, it's the bigger picture, really, because we're not living as we ought to be living. 
We're living too fast. We're living faster than human beings need to live. You know, we have so much awareness about what's going on the other end of the world. I don't really think that does us any favors at all. Well, in my grand's generation, she'd know what's going on up the road and therefore they would be there for their neighbor. They would be able to, okay, so-and-so's family, you know, the mother's really sick, right? Let's all pull together. Let's go and help the family now and be there for them. There is this in the Greek culture, in the villages, very much so, supporting each other. And that's something that, you know, and then they're in touch with it. I know from living with the villages in Aquadalia, you know, you know, certain times here, it's carob time and it's carob melo. You're going to make your carob syrup and it's going to take you four days of stirring that, putting stuff in water, you know, to make suzuka. I made some when I moved to Froome and I sent a picture to my dear friend, bless her. She has just passed, Daphne. Oh, what a star she is. And uh, yeah, I sent a picture of her. She goes, Agori, you're making suzuka, which is this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a almonds on a string with a grape, grape juice. Mm-hmm. And you leave it over a certain period of days to get Get those different coats it takes time to work with nature and we're not given the time so i think that um we have no choice sometimes but to have a pill but it's very important for our entire being to go back to nature and to realize okay if i take this it's going to take a few days to work but it's going to start it makes your body stronger herbal medicine natural medicine makes your body stronger you become more in tune with with who we are and what we are we're not machines running around 24 7 you know you send an email you expect a response that's not how we are made we're meant to sit down in the summer we're meant to enjoy it right? We're not meant to be working harder. We're meant to enjoy it. You know, in the winter, we're supposed to go inwards and we're supposed to reflect and spend time being still. And nobody does that. You know, you work Christmas time is stressful. It's normal. But it's, I think it's, it's, um, it's stress that we put upon each person does that individually. And unfortunately we have this, the pressure of the society that makes us, uh, everybody do it. But you said something very important that I always say, we know too much. It's not necessary to know everything. And, and, and because the moment we know something, we cannot unknow it. Once we know it, we know it. And that's when it occupies our mind and, and, and we don't need to know everything. And the other thing is, you know, like we don't have any patience. We don't have patience. As you say, pop a pill. It's easy to pop a pill and even to make a cup of tea or to take a, and to be honest I, I'm very I try to be good and I, t- I take very few pills but I sometimes can't be bothered to take the tea out you know but when I have a headache when I feel I have a headache very often all I do is drink a big glass of water because I feel like I'm dehydrated right totally 100% you're spot on. You've worked out for yourself, 100%. I mean, things like uh, headache and high blood pressure, they're related to lack of, to dehydration. And unfortunately, you're, 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 when you start to feel thirsty, that's the last sign, she says, drinking water. That's the last sign of, um, of, of us that we actually are dehydrated long before we're actually thirsty. Because, you know, we're made up of like 70% water. We need a lot more, more than that, actually. We, we need as much water and saline water too. You know, we need uh, salt water to put Himalayan sea salt in your water is very healthy for you to keep that electrolyte balance. You know, um, yeah, there's loads of things like, you know, we also need to alkalize because stress in its own right is very is very acidifying and disease is like cancer, surviving an acid body. So we need to work on our pH levels. You know, back in the day, we would have a lot more fresh vegetables that we would be growing from around us. Nowadays, there's a lot more fast food to go with the fast life. So we would be, we're consuming all this stuff, which is heating us up and acidifying us from the inside. So to alkalize is more green leafy vegetables, but there's also things like lemon water. 
It's not difficult. You know, hot, cold water, have lemon water. I've got hibiscus tea right now. I've, I've made my, let my tea go cold and I've got hibiscus tea, which is great at balancing, you know, your, your, um, uh, your metabolism and keeping you cool in the summer and warming you up in the winter. It's this type of knowledge that we're kind of missing. And it's not difficult. It's really not difficult, you know? And that's, that's the, that's the bit I think that annoys people so much. I go, oh my God, that's so simple. It's like, yeah, because almost like if we think something's too simple, therefore it's not worth it, the, the, there's no challenge therefore we think it's not worth anything but it's worth everything it's it's you know it's worth everything it's just we we missed the point and i also think that it's you know things can go hand in hand i mean there are there are moments when you do need a doctor when you break a leg you're not going to go and drink chamomile tea or, or so i think i think we should we should do as much naturally as we possibly yes. can and still embrace medicine you know so um, I, I believe that people like you, you, you're not like, oh, my God, you must never touch a pill. No, it's 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 a good, com- a healthy combination of both. Exactly. Totally. I just had a patient just message me earlier. She has a bad bout of cellulitis and uh, she was, wants to be my patient. She's not yet. And uh, she, I said, well, send me a picture. And I'm looking at it and she goes, what do I do? And I said, well, if you've got the antibiotics there, maybe you do that now. Because that you can get quicker than you can get my herbs for today, you know. So maybe you do that. And don't worry, we can sort that out afterwards. It's not the end of the world, you know. There are times when, you know, people oftentimes will jump for the antibiotics. It's the first point of call. It's it's what doctors have in their armory. We're using what we have. I have herbs in my armory. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they uh, you know, so we use what we have and uh, to recommend. But, you know, oftentimes there's a lot you can do. You know, you don't necessarily need to give Calpol every time your child is having a fever. Maybe they're having a fever and you just got to manage that and you can manage that with chamomile tea is so simple to bringing down a fever it's not difficult at all elderflower is so easy as well there are very simple herbs that are growing around in the hedgerows whatever country you're in that are just easy to um to manage very simple common situations that will immediately go for a pill because oftentimes if you take those pills like calpol unnecessarily what you do is you start to push disease further into the body the body fever is for example a way of the body's immune system working to burn up any bacterial viral infection it needs a fever to deal with it so if you suppress that fever it drives the dis-ease further into your body and then we've got bigger problems and then people like me have to go in with the herbal sledgehammers to try to break through that lot so you know there's a time and a place you do agree that the human body is the most amazing creation and that it can heal itself that it has a huge huge power to heal itself and that we should definitely use it more and we should listen to people like Caroline Evans who has a YouTube channel as well because whenever there is something in season I see you showing it telling people what you what they can do with it right I do. Yes. I find that's, yeah, it's really, I'm very much about giving people the information that they need to help themselves because health is really about prevention of disease. When you get to disease state, that's when you, you know, you really need to start pedaling backwards. It's, it's, it's hardcore. That's when yes, surgery, all these, all these treatments are necessary, but to prevent disease is literally like eating healthily is taking your herbs. You can prevent a lot, you know, allowing, assisting the body to do what it's meant to do and trusting the system. I mean, you know, one thing like that is, is natural birth. I mean, God, you know, I'm a big advocate for that three unassisted home births. There must be a complete Trojan, you know, in, in a village of 28 people where I think it was in the winter. So eight people, you know, at home. And it was just, you know, that, is that is 
just that's that's a, a, a professional mindset because I, I I do have um awareness of what to do and when that's right or not but we are missing a lot of that you know we, we just need to learn to trust our bodies more and that's where yeah. I, I like to give that information that's what I do on the YouTube channel is uh yeah it's um what is it it's uh, Caroline Evans herbalist on YouTube and yeah it's just I've got lots of information there on on uh loads of herbs and how you can use them how when not to use them as well because that's important information you know I'm not training anybody to be a herbalist because that's also dangerous because I've many many years of training to be a herbalist plus then the clinical uh is the real training like the 20 years clinical experiences is is something else but yeah that, that will definitely give people a, a good basis on what they can do and how they can help certain conditions as well because also holistic healthcare because like for example like we're not often barefoot enough and that's so good to people don't know that the body is electrical like there's electrical impulses that, you know they see a picture of the nervous system go oh that's nice that's actually that's amazing that's electricity running through our body all the time we need to ground that electricity you know what happens if you've got electrical car without one of those little dangly things touching the ground well you're gonna be like you know you know it's not good for your nervous system so that's i have a lot of these tips on what you can do to help yourself at home we're going to put all those links in the show notes because there are each episode there are show notes so people who are listening will be able to find that and you are you just finished your second book I have. Tell us I have. about your books. Yes, my two books. Yep, Discovering the Herbs of Spring and Discovering the Herbs of Summer. Here they are. And of course, we're working on autumn now. But uh, yeah, they're basically, um, uh, it's, I include there, there's, there's a certain number of herbs per, per, per season. And uh, what I what I find interesting um, and people have given me the feedback on this is the recipes that I'm putting in this, how you can make your own remedies. So for example, like, and also simple things you can do also with your family, like, you know, have small children. So we make things like elderflower fritters or in the springtime, we make dandelion fritters, you know, and, and this is just a way that, you know, how to get my kids to take bitter foods like dandelion, which is so good for the liver, so good as detoxification, how to do that. You know, I mean, my kids are slightly strange. They will eat them, you know, because they've been trained from a young age to eat the, the weird stuff which is really good for you but you know to fritter you put a little bit of batter in it you put it on honey you know put honey on it well my god kids are going to take that they're like wow i love them fabulous they've done their spring cleanse i'm very happy with it you know without having to force them to take the most bitter and, and tasteless drinks so there's lots of things in here um to help people like you know what the herbs are useful for how to recognize them a bit of folklore and mythology i'm very much into mythology must be my years of cyprus and greece i love it i love mythology so much and of course how you can use it so yeah this very much seems to be um uh, a year of of publishing for me of getting the information out there and uh, in every which way i can amazing and i think when you just before when you mentioned kids i think kids like to eat something that they have been helping make themselves you know it's good to involve them and uh you know it doesn't matter if the kitchen is a mess afterwards i think it's worth letting them help and being letting them be part of it mm-hmm. and um I am very aware of the time. We're already coming to to the end of this, but I mean, you've already given a lot of value. And um, um, something that I that I paid attention to before: putting salt, Himalaya salt, in the water. That's is that like similar to an electrolyte that you would buy in a pharmacy? Yes, it is, but it's one that your body recognizes. I mean, your body does recognize electrolytes. Like, okay, so for example, um, yeah, that's that's a wonderful thing, especially in Cyprus right now, and here in the UK, we're having a heat wave. It's beautiful, love it. But yeah, so for example, the other day, my my neighbours are fishermen and he went out fishing 
it was lovely to have like someone like a like an old school villager next to me and um yeah he he had really bad sunstroke so i gave him i made him some orange juice with uh, coconut water and a pinch of salt and that really brought him back straight away and that's i mean it's simple it's like things like you know they're, they're all the minerals that you need so you need potassium from the oranges and of course sodium from the salt they're they're what you've done is you've just given your adrenals and your your kidneys a kickstart and therefore your whole cardiovascular system and there you are right back back again you know other things i would say you know for people to start to incorporate herbs into their food like so um you know for example if you're having any fatty foods in your diet you need to assist your body to digest those fats okay so that would be things like rosemary oregano is great for that marjoram as we have in the uk uh, thyme they're all f- uh, flavonoid rich herbs that are really going to help to to help your body to break down the fats and that's what we need to do especially this time of year when you know it's it's we need to be having like a little bit less less fatty foods and a little bit more a lot more alkalizing foods to be able to cope with with uh, the extra heat you know mm-hmm. the body is shedding right now you yeah. know so burgers are not your best food for the summer oh really they never are, <laughs> they never are you're right <laughs> unless they're plant-based and the and the True. Um, last question. What is the best thing to do in the morning? What is the first thing one should eat or drink in the morning? Well, water actually is the first, very first thing. Because when you're asleep, you uh, literally, you dehydrate, you sweat, you know, you by, just by breathing, we forget that breath is a form of detoxification. Not only are you sweating out, especially in the summer, but you know, you're breathing out. So you actually do wake up dehydrated. So that's one thing. So a best thing to do is to have, um, if you can, hot or cold water, but generally hot because it has a way of your body being able to uptake it. If you have hot water with lemon is the best thing. Another alternative is um, hot water and apple cider vinegar. That's incredibly alkalizing. In fact, the best thing to do is to have hot water and lemon in the morning and hot water and apple cider vinegar at night because um, you can have both uh, either way, but uh, at night with apple cider vinegar because it promotes weight loss. So it's really very, very, very interesting. In fact, one of my um, YouTube channels uh, um, videos is about how to make your own apple cider vinegar. And it's not difficult at all. It's so easy to make. So there would be a great thing. I would also have something, what I do have is I have barley grass in the morning, which is an alkalizing superfood. And nowadays I've started having a... um, a smoothie with spirulina and barley grass in it. And that's just really great superfood. You know, we don't really need these big plates of, you know, souvlaki and stuff like we used to have, you know, it's still just lovely, but, you know, we don't need that. We actually just need more dense, concentrated nutrition nowadays because the amount of stress, I mean, anyone that's lived through 2020 and the amounts of stress that we, and uncertainty that we've all endured and the suffering as a result, we really, um, really do need to give ourselves optimum nutrition more than ever before, more than ever and that is like alkalize more than ever um and uh yeah hydrate more than ever that's absolute so yeah so yeah i mean one of the things as a result of 2020 i've got another course coming up uh september october time which is on stress and anxiety and i'm seeing that a lot in clinic and how to give people things that they can do to manage that themselves you know of course you know someone like me is here you know to, to manage for the serious cases but there's a lot that we can do to prevent ourselves going downhill and things like that. And right. I think another thing that is very, very important in life, and that's one thing that I love about you, there's a lot that I love about you, but is having a good sense of humor and being able
able to have a laugh. And I think this is it for today. Caroline Evans, you are a gem. Absolutely love talking to you. Always love talking to you. We do that a lot, but this time we recorded it. So thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys. Thank you for having me. Really great to speak to you. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.